This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 63 of season 2. And since the recent response in my emails has been fairly encouraging on sharing a little bit of my experience right now in what I'm doing, which is bushcrafting my witchcraft (laughs) and doing a bit of a rededication and learning who I am again and sharpening my edges I thought I would share one more thing with y'all. We are getting up on that time of the year that as a farmer, well, at least before the way I farm, it's time for me to think about lettuces again. I didn't do it in the fall. I was too busy, but I want a better year this year. So we are getting our sort of uh, winter slash spring garden together. And that means going down into the hot tunnel and other beautiful spaces on the land, and finding those spaces that want seed. I mean, it really does depend, because I spend a lot of time healing soil after it's been utilized, and that often means adding in my rabbit scat, which is already composted in their tummies, and leftover alfalfa, things like that, that I kind of work into the ground, and also use as a bit of a cover in the winter. And right after that, it's time for me to make other decisions. And that fairly means that I have to decide what I want to plant, when, how, and what the whole year would look like. I know it doesn't seem like it would be this time of the year, but it is. Because if I, say for instance, throw down a whole lot of lettuces in a plot that I was later going to put okra in, I'm going to have to kill somebody to put the okra in. Although I will say that Your salads are a wonderful companion. They cover the ground really well, and the okra keeps them shaded. They'll last a lot longer like that. But this time, I am very mindfully trying to decide where my own sacred spaces are going to be for the year. I mean, you know, it's all sacred. (laughs) You know, it really is. However, I wanted... Two different spots out here in my farm that can let me do two different things. And one thing is to do that darker shadow work, healing work, that kind of labor we do in the shadows. And I think I've decided fully to create a mushroom mycelium log circle for that. Mycelium already does tend to do all of its real growing in the dark. And in the shadow, it's magical. It feeds all the woods and all the wonderful trees out here. So that is what I plan to do with those. And that does mean inoculating new wood because I don't want to ask wood that's already doing a job to shift gears. So that's one thing I'm going to be doing. But I want another sacred space where I go to just give thanks, commune, celebrate, really uh, dig my feet in the soil and turn my head to the sun. And I have located it today by walking around and really asking, I guess, an open book walking around my yard and my garden and my land. 
and something hollered out me. I have an entire field. Well, okay. What y'all might see as a field is not what a micro farm has. It's about uh, 400 square feet, maybe. And it has been deeply rooted with turmeric. Green and black and white, yellow and blue, and of course the orange. And it's just wonderful. Last year, the turmeric leaves got so high, I think we got up to like eight feet. And they did finally flower. It's such a peaceful place to be, you know, in the middle of Alabama. It just nestled in a little clearing within the trees. And you can walk through that turmeric and the smell. Oh, my God. So, there's a little spot in the middle. A little place to sit. And that's going to be my new sacred space to do that kind of work. That kind of celebratory, creative kind of stuff is going to go there. So... I have my two places located and it's time to get to the nitty gritty of moving things around and preparing that space and working with nature and with the spirits that are already here to not not colonize that space so much as to find a place where I fit in. It's where I hear my great mother. It's where I feel goddess energy. It's just where I get magic from. So. It's really such hopeful work, you know, because here we're, well, we froze last night. We're experiencing a tiny freeze tonight and things are just kind of, well, I'm not a winter witch, if you know what I mean. I, I really hate it. <laughs> I really do. The sun's shining today, but it's cold as piss. So it's hopeful work to walk around a barren plot that you know has so much life simmering right underneath your feet and engage in a plan to grow with it as it comes back in the spring. So that's what I'm doing right now. I have decided to do my in-bolt ritual out there. Those rhizomes and all those wonderful roots so alive underneath all that apparent dead. That's perfect for this time of year. And since this year is going to be about me growing as a a hag, as an older witch, I feel it's appropriate to do the inoculation over there in the shadows of the woods because I don't know how much work y'all do with mycelium, but it's going to need a long time to colonize that wood and get to the place of fruiting. If you're real lucky with shiitake and you do that really early in the year, you might get a tiny flush before the end, you know, before the winter comes again. So, I'll be growing with the mycelium, and I dig it. I've even got a little idea about a new ritual to do and a bit of a spell that involves the uh, first flush. But y'all already knew I was writing 12 new rituals, right? That'll be the one that showcases the fruit of all the labor of me, of the trees, (laughs) all of it. And uh, hopefully we'll come around the time that I'm going to get that new tattoo. We will see. You know, last week I I talked to y'all about creating spaces for your beloved dead. And I suppose this week what I'm talking about is creating spaces for our own growth. And sometimes the little boxes we've put ourselves in, and that could include, you know, the rooms of our own home, we've outgrown them. Or they're stifling us and we can't outgrow them and we should outgrow them. 
I mean, we always keep something of ourselves, but if there's not new growth, we are in fact just monuments to who we used to be. And I don't want to be a damn monument. You know, I don't think we talk enough about healthy change and, and what is almost normal in a body. When you think about things like when we were little kids and the food we liked back then and what we may not like anymore, <laughs> or even 10 years ago, I still like dessert. And today, well, it better be exceptional. I'm, the sweet tooth in me has died away. Little things like that. Well, I will tell y'all that there are enormous changes happening in me, and I've decided on one ritual that um, I'm going to be doing especially for Astara. And it may seem kind of silly to y'all, but that's okay. That's okay. I know that I'm becoming something bigger or mm, more healthy, (laughs) and so it's fine if nobody gets what I'm doing. But I think the last time I did any overhaul of me, I was still in my prime, physically. And since that time, I've gone through menopause, I've become a grandmama, and I really need to let go of a lot of the things that have happened in the past. I've already done the kind of work I want to do on addressing some of that. I've looked into that well, if you will, and dealt with as much as I I could imagine dealing with at that time. And now I want to grow And so one of the rituals I want to do that's coming up in Astora is I've got some things left over, you know, some mementos from people in the past that hurt me or, I don't know, just bring up a really bad juju feeling. I've got a sweater I used to wear from that time and honey bunnies, I have uh, gotten a little bit bigger since then. Menopause does have its way with you. And I can't fit that sweater anymore. And it's got holes in it. It's torn. It can't be uh, re-gifted. I've even got some dried rose petals from that time. It's marked in a jar and it says 2013 on it. And so kind of to reverse a time capsule, (laughs) I'm going to bury it all. I'm going to bury it all in Ostara as a uh, bit of a put-to-dirt-and-rebirth sort of um, fertility right, so I can see where I can grow from here. You know, it's funny to me how often I hear folks talking about how they wish they could change or start over, but they can to some extent, and nobody ever wants to actually look at the steps that would take them to get there. You know, I find it so ironic that I was feeling this urge to really shake the dust off of me as a witch, and I had not sat down to see everything, everywhere, all at once until about two weeks ago. (laughs) Every time I saw the trailer for it, I would just end up in tears, and I didn't know why. And I braved up, and I watched it. I ended up sobbing in a chair, and now I know why. But it's like a great mystery, and it's really hard to explain. I think that everything that has created me has led me to this moment. All of the versions of who I've been. Well, it just would make great fodder for who I want to be next. (laughs) So, (laughs) if y'all haven't seen that movie, it's gorgeous. It's a little nihilistic, but in a way that kind of leaves possibility for real magic and even room for a god or a goddess. It's kind of everything, everywhere, all at once. 
So do see it if you can. So let's see. What else am I witch of fun right now that is new? Oh, I've got something. I don't know that I've ever talked about walking sticks or as some cultures would call staves. I don't know if I've done that conversation with anyone. For a long time when I was uh, younger, I'd say in my 40s, I would still call them staves. But I realize now that's not, it's not really my culture to say that. It's their walking sticks (laughs) and tools of mine as a witch. Occasionally, I have used my besom as one. All you got to do is turn it upside down, baby. But I have several. I have one that is part of a 300-year-old oak that lives on my land. And I say part of because I don't think there's been a complete disconnect between him. I call him Grandfather Oak and my stick, which is, uh, well, it's as tall as me. And um, then there's my very old pear tree, and nobody understands how she's still alive or how she does that kind of work. But then again, y'all, my farm's pretty magical. Anyhow, she lost a limb, and it was kind of rough. When you get that old, things fall off. (laughs) And my son saved one of those, so I have that. I have a hickory, I believe, and a mulberry, and I have to go look. Well, hold on. Let me just tell y'all a story. A long time ago, my husband helped to plant a weeping willow on my ground because I thought I was getting a grandchild, and that is something that my grandma did for all of us, and it turned out I wasn't getting that grandchild after all, and the beautiful weeping willow died on us, and it was kind of heartbreaking. And so what he did was he took the trunk of this young willow and he carved it into a walking stick for me. Now, he just did this because that's what he does. You know, that he knew I didn't want to see it just go away. This is a long time ago. I'd say it's like 2014, maybe. But that walking stick became very important to me. And now whenever I do fertility spells, which I do quite a lot for people, they need help. That's the one that I'm going to thump the ground with. That's the one that's going to bring that to fruition every single time. It's almost like in its sacrifice, it, I don't know, became more magical. So I have lots of different walking sticks in there from all different moments of my life and different kinds of wood. And I think if I were pressed to describe how I utilize them, I think other folks would see that as being very much like a a magic wand, except I'm using something much bigger and I'm hitting the ground with it. And when I say hitting, let's talk a little bit. The whole idea of sound reverberation and the earth and those kinds of waves means when these beautiful staves or sticks or canes or whatever you want to call them, when I draw them to the ground, I'm trying to get a thump, get a beat with the earth that it can hear, that it can respond to, and find that beat and work with it. That sound reverberation, it's like an ancient language, and I'm trying to kind of flow with that as much as possible. And it helps me, as a farmer witch, it helps me so much to have something that came from the land 
And that's one of the ways I'm witchifying my tools. And I think I've always done that. But I need to look back to that methodology and embed myself even more in it. Let me give you another for instance. My partner created this beautiful, I guess it would be an athame, or I reckon I'm saying that wrong for some of y'all, but I'm from the deep south. It's enough. <laughs> um, out of an okra stalk I grew years and years ago. It is the most delicate thing. And it is also at the same time like, well, it's deadly. I'll tell you that. It's very pointed, very sharp, very beautiful. And it's held up wonderfully. Just, I mean, gorgeous thing that I grew that gave our family food and sustenance. And with this particular athame, I do my most personal rituals, especially those that involve good harvest or bringing something into fruition, because that's exactly what it was. It was an okra plant that I planted a seed for and got 13 foot tall (laughs) and filled our freezer. And uh, this is sort of its skeleton, if you will. I guess that's a little bit morbid, but you get the idea. Now that, honey, that's witchifying every damn thing. But currently, I've got my eye peeled on an old oak long branch that has been inoculated with shiitake mushroom mycelium. And it has another couple of years to go. I don't want to interfere with that. But it's getting awfully close. And I don't know of anyone who's ever taken one of those and attempted to carve out of it um, a stab or anything. I've never seen anything like that. But to me, that would be even a deeper connection to the earth. And that is the one that I want to take into my new travels. So I know exactly where he is. And I plan on making sure this particular piece is the entryway to my um, darker space where I go to do my shadow work and such. And uh, at the end of the year, if I am indeed correct that the mycelium is about given way, I'm going to ask my partner to help me carve that because I want something from this time. It doesn't mean I'm not going to use all my other walking sticks or, you know, my beautiful ochre knife or whatever, what may have you. It does mean that I want something to represent me now where I am and resonate with this evolving magic that I'm going through. And that will be the one that I use when I walk into the woods, at least for a while. Honey child, if I live long enough, we may have several of these. I'm not done. I have no idea what I'm going to be. I've told you there is freedom and getting old. I mean, worst case scenario, folks just think you're crazy or eccentric. And they kind of leave you be. Best case scenario, you don't give a shit anymore what people think of you. (laughs) Hi, I'm in the latter category. (laughs) And this is like a stripping down. You know, we're like this as children. We don't give a shit. You know, as little tiny kids, we don't give a shit. I swan to y'all, sometimes I think my 30s and 40s were just built out of fear. (laughs) You know, my 30s, I was raising children and getting a doctoral degree, and I was just terrified the whole time. Are we going to be able to pay the bills? Are we going to make sure that the kids don't get screwed up or end up in jail or... What have you? My 40s were, you know, beginning teaching. And I, 
I mean, magical Stevens. And that was hard and draining and exhausting and kind of a thankless job of that. And completely forgot about me during that time. Didn't take care of myself. Was always just afraid I was going to drop a bug. Yeah, I tell y'all what. Working on 60? Well, I've made certain choices in my life that mean that academic success is not going to be an option anymore. And I think I closed down that door pretty tight and on purpose so I could be who I wanted to be. I just know now. I know what suits my soul and I know who I am and I know what I want magic to look like and it doesn't matter. You know, I had a Wiccan friend a long time ago and bless her heart. Bless her heart. I do love her, but bless her heart. She was asked after meeting me. Now, she told me this herself, so I'm not being ugly. You know, well, what did you think? (laughs) And uh, the person who was asking her was not a nice person. She had nefarious intent. And my friend answered, well, she's a little naive about the craft. (laughs) And I had allowed her to believe that because, honestly... I am fucking naive about Wicca. I am. I'm not Wiccan. Over half that path is uh, private, and I have no idea what y'all are doing. I'm sorry. And uh, do y'all, and that's wonderful. (laughs) But because I didn't know it, uh, apparently she didn't understand where I was coming from. And for the rest of it, it's so damn secretive, I'm not going to share it. Uh, What I do, anyway. I'm not naive. I just don't give a shit if somebody thinks I am. I'll tell y'all what, the key to actually being okay when you're this age is to not give any hoots what somebody else thinks about you. It's such a damn relief. Okay, I digress. Let's get back to it. One of the stabs I do, I'm calling a stab again, walking stick that I do intend on utilizing this year came from that old pear tree I told y'all about. That old tree has defied expectation and signs. I don't remember what they said she was in years. I think it's around 55, 60. And I think her life expectancy was supposed to be around like 50. And so I reckon that old girl was born the same year I was or close to it. Very attached to her. You know, there's been years where she didn't put off much. Maybe there was a freeze and her limbs couldn't support the weight, whatever. And then there are years where you can't make it stop. And every time I think she's dead, she does something new. I think I told y'all about her last year or maybe even the year before. But this cool thing she did recently was I've always wanted another mulberry tree on the property We've got a huge one, and I do mean golf. This thing looks like something out of Lord of the Rings. I just love him, and he's on the side of our property, on the side of our home, but his root ball is actually outside of our property line. So, not legally ours, but all of his fruit lands this way. (laughs) Well, I say he, it's probably a she, and it does matter with mulberries. I don't know if you know that mulberry is one of the only trees that I know of anyway that can change, are we supposed to call it gender? I don't think we're supposed to call it gender. Sex. Completely change it if there are not enough of that kind of tree around to procreate. It's so cool. And I had a couple of what looked to be, when I had them examine, male trees on the far side of the property. So 
you know, the birds had done their job and I just didn't have anybody that was like in the center of the property that was also female, which means they will bear the bigger, juicier fruit. And I tried to raise a couple up and um, always looking for babies somewhere and never found them. And I went out there and had my hand on that pear tree one time. And I said, we, we need somebody to take your place. If you die, I'm very worried about you. And I need you to help me figure this out. What should I do here? I've got a couple other young pear trees that never make anything, really. They're so young. And I thought there'd be a baby pear tree underneath her maybe in the spring. And we would let that rise up in between her arms. But she was listening, and she was listening too well. That next spring, we didn't get around to mowing the grass. We're not very good at that anyway. Underneath that tree, underneath that pear. And mostly because, well, we don't do it in spring very often because she's got great shade and not much grows there. And then, you know, when her fruit starts bearing in, and that's like June, July, and it starts to fall, we let the critters get it. Everything from the wasp to the deer. And then we pick our fruit from the tree. So we don't want to be under there mowing. And that is how (laughs) a beautiful female bisex uh, mulberry tree popped up in the middle of that pear tree and started to grow. And for a long time, we didn't realize it because, you know, it's hard to tell and the leaves were hidden It was only about a year and a half ago that I noticed the fruit coming off of the pear tree in between all those beautiful branches, y'all. Didn't look like a pear. (laughs) And about everything I can think of has tried to kill this mulberry tree, and she's just got these arms wrapped around it. Mm -mm, You ain't going nowhere. That's the one she decided was going to replace her, where she has been standing for over half a century. And y'all know we live in Tornado Valley, right? Well, one night, the winds got horrible. They were just absolutely horrendous. And one of that beautiful old pear tree's arms came falling down. Well, it hit the dirt. And it was beautiful. It was long. It was thick. And I was just mortified. She had been such a good mama, grandmama, adoptive mama, We have so much of her fruit preserved and put away and dehydrated, and she's kind of been the joy of this farm. And so my son picked it up. He felt bad, too, and he put it somewhere, somewhere on the porch, I believe. And uh, Yule, Christmas, rolled around, and he decided that I was going to get a walking stick out of it. And he carved that old girl up, and he made her so pretty. He attached all kinds of wonderful things that represented our trips to the beach and elder beads that he carved himself from our own elderberry tree, job steers that I grow, that he grew too, and this became the most magical stick, the most magical staff, whatever you want to call it, and that's what he gave me for Christmas. And like anything you love too much, I put it over in a corner and I protected her and I didn't want anything to happen to it. And so that gorgeous pear arm has not yet walked in the woods with me. So as much as I want a mycelium walking stick that represents my growth, it's more appropriate that that wait to the end of my journey this year. 
and that me and that pear tree are going to do the entry into all of this work, and I think that's beautiful. I'm trying to leave behind as much magic as possible for food and fodder and sustenance for other witches coming up in the world, and that's what that pear tree did. And it doesn't have to look just like me, whoever I'm helping, whatever kind of witch I'm protecting or guiding. It doesn't have to look just like me. In fact, I reckon that's not best. The world is changing. And I want whoever who comes up behind where I'm standing, like that old pear tree, I want them to be sturdy and strong and do their own colors and do their own magic and be their most authentic witch selves. So, I'm going to take that one with me and find out where we go. (laughs) I don't know if that made any sense. I guess you got to be a certain age to understand what I'm saying, but that's how I'm witchifying my little practices. And I suppose this was about walking sticks, y'all. Witchifying every damn thing to me means that we pay attention to all of our choices as well. We don't think we have to get rid of everything that we've loved. I do think we need to be open to new choices and I do think we need to be open to new experiences and find out what kind of tree we're supposed to grow into or what we can grow into. And that's where I am. Okay, y'all, I reckon that's enough. I need to go feed my rabbits and I need to take my nightly walk into the woods. Don't forget to witchify every damn thing. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.